Good morning. Shall we pray? Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the stories that you told Jesus and that through them, that we can learn more about you and more about how we should live the lives. So Holy Spirit, I pray that this morning you would speak to our hearts, that you would challenge our thinking and that you would change how we outwork our lives this week. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, as Paul said, I'm speaking on the parable of the sower this morning, and I don't know about you, but when you read the parables sometimes, and I remember growing up Church of England, and they always used to say, it's a heavenly story, but it's practical story as well. And I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. But in and through it, God is trying to say something through something very practical. And I don't know about you, but sometimes you listen to something and you think, oh, that sounds really good, but I, I don't quite know what you're trying to tell me. What are you trying to say to me? And some of you may be aware, before I began to work at the church, I worked in a primary school and I used to, I spent the last 10 years or so working with autistic children. And one of them had just his own way of communicating to me. And it was very special. And I had a real difficulty when I very first started working with him because he would say really odd things to me and expect an answer. And I tried really hard, but just did not know what he was talking about. So the classic one that just perturbed me for months went like this. Do you know you've got duck on your head? And I'd be like, no, <laughs> have I? Is he trying to tell me something about my hair? Is it like a stoky thing? Hey, up duck, you've got a duck on your head. And I'd go, yeah, okay, ha ha, quack, quack. And he'd just be like, I'm waiting for the answer. And it carried on and there were other things that he would say to me. And I was just like, oh, I don't understand what you're trying to tell me. You're trying to tell me something, but it makes no sense to me. And parables can be like this. God is trying to tell us something, but it just makes no sense in our natural minds. And eventually, I had breakthrough. And the breakthrough came from Peppa Pig. And everything that we talked about was to do with Peppa Pig. And do you know you've got a duck on your head is one of the episodes of Peppa Pig. And the answer is Daddy Pig going... <laughs> Some of you may have seen the episode if you have small children. And everything revolved around Peppa Pig. So he would talk to me, and if I answered correctly from Peppa Pig, we were having a good day. If I didn't, it was meltdown. Whoop, 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 I'm going to kick off. And he was a wonder and a joy. But if I understood and caught a hold of the message underneath, which was Peppa Pig related, then everything would go fine. And if I beat him to it and I started the very odd Peppa Pig conversation that nobody else understood, then woohoo, I was in for a good day. And parables can be like this. 
God is trying to speak to us. God has got a message that he wants to tell us, that he wants to communicate with us. But sometimes he wants a little bit more of your attention. He wants a little bit more of your time. He wants a little bit more of your thought process. And in doing that and spending the time and taking the time and watching too many episodes of Peppa Pig when your children are too old to watch it, then you actually get somewhere and get breakthrough and change and your life and your day is different than it was going to be in the first place. Let's look at this parable in Matthew 13. It says, Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got onto a boat. Then he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. He told them many stories and forms of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on the footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on the shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seed fell on the fertile soil, And they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. It sounds common sense, doesn't it? Put the seed in the place where it's going to grow well, and it'll grow well. Now, you'd think that the disciples would have a good understanding of gardening from the time that they were from. But being fishermen, they didn't get it. So they went to Jesus and said, Jesus, you speak in these stories, but we don't understand them. What are you trying to say? And Jesus, on this occasion, and he didn't always, actually interpreted his own story. Let's see what he's got to say. Matthew 13, verse 18. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting the seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of life and the law of wealth. So no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on the good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as being planted. So Jesus gives us the explanation. This is what I'm telling you about the different soils. And very often when people look at this parable and they talk about it, they talk about the soil. And the question is, well, what soil are you? And what are you going to do about it? We're not going to do that this week. We're going to look at the soil next week. And I'm going to talk to you then about the different soils that you can have in your life and what you can do to help turn them into good soil. This week, we're going to actually look at two things that stay the same no matter what type of soil it hits. There are two constants in this parable that never change. The four different soils have these two things in common. And they're this, the sower and the seed. And it didn't matter what the soil, but the sower and the seed were a constant. 
in it. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. So no matter where you find yourself in life, whether you think, yeah, I can relate to some of those soils. Maybe I've got a mixture of a few of them. Maybe I'm doing really well. Maybe things are tough and I feel like the, the cares of this world are weighing me down. No matter where you find yourself this morning, there are two constants for you that you can hold on to, the sower and the seed. So let's look at them. So first we're going to look at the sower. And the sower represents God. The farmer was God coming to sow into your life. And let's have a look what it says about him. It says the sower, he sows the same seed into each of the soil. He doesn't care what the soil is necessarily, but he is sowing it. He is throwing that soil out. He's throwing it with equal toil. So it doesn't matter whether he gets to the path or just say, oh, I'll just sprinkle a bit there, you never know. He's throwing that seed out with equal toil. He's working hard for it. He's got equal hope that that seed is going to grow. Otherwise, what waste? He's hoping, he has all hope in that soil where he throws it, that that soil will grow and produce fruit. And it's with equal generosity. He grabs a hand and he throws that seed out. So the sower sows with equal toil, with equal hope and with equal generosity. He doesn't consider what the soil's quality is or what its potential is. If he did, why would he have thrown it there? He threw it there and it produced what it produced. But the sower still threw it. It still went out. The potential of that seed was in the seed and he was sowing it for all it was worth. There's no soil that was left unsown. The sower was generous to a fault with the hope and the generosity that it would produce fruit. And I think the most amazing thing is that to the sower, really, no ground is said that that's, that ground is undeserving of my seed. There is no life where God says, your life is undeserving of my seed. But God wants to sow into each and every one of us with equal generosity, with equal toil. He wants to work hard for you, with equal hope that fruit is going to be produced into your life. God does not look at you and think, oh, bad soil. But God looks at you and he thinks, I am going to sow. I am going to dig. I am going to believe. I am going to hope. I'm going to be generous. I'm going to work hard at this and believe and say, come on to you. I am sowing into you. And the choice comes next week when we decide what sort of soil we allow him to sow into. But he keeps sowing. So what's Jesus trying to tell us? He tells us of this sower, this farmer who has hope, who has, who has generosity, who believes in the quality of you, who, who is hoping. He says you're not undeserving. So what is Jesus trying to tell us? What is the point of this? He's trying to tell us that no matter how you see yourself, and sometimes no matter how you are, because none of us are perfect, that God has hope for your life, that God loves and believes in you, that God sees the potential in you to produce fruit. 
Jesus wants us to understand that we can be secure in the knowledge that he wants to sow into us. He doesn't just want to sow into that person next to us. Oh, they look really good soil. Look at them. They're fantastic soil. They come to all the prayer meetings, go to all the small groups. They've read the Bible in the year already and we're only, we aren't even halfway through and they're on the second time round. And I'm like, I'm like 50 days behind. I'm trying to read two a day and it's making me bad. I fell behind on mine the other week and I was like, I'm trying to catch up. It was like a marathon catching up with the Bible in a year. And I'm up to date now. And then it was a really short one today. Did anyone read? I was like, what's that? If I'd have known that was coming, I'd have doubled them up a bit more to catch up. Let me encourage you. If you fall behind with your Bible in a year, don't give up on it. Keep going. You'll get there in a year and a half or in the end, but keep going. It just does you good to read it. Don't let it beat you. It's not something there and you think, oh, I failed. You haven't failed. You're reading the Bible. Just have a go and keep going. And skim read if you need to. Can I say that in church? Catch up. But it does you good. Be secure that God has hope for your life. Be secure that he is sowing into you. That he's not just sowing into the person next to you. Trust him. And accept how he sees you. And how do we find those things out? By getting to know the sower. And how do we get to know the sower? By reading the Bible. By praying. By spending time just considering. By listening to other people's stories of the wonderful things he's done in their lives. Jesus wants us to know the sower. And if we know the sower, then we know that he has hope for us, then we know that he wants to work hard for us, then we know that he believes we're deserving of the seed. Don't put yourself down. God wants to sow into your life. God believes in you, and God wants to work on your behalf to see fruit and new life come from you. So practically, what does this mean for us then? What do we do then? Okay, well, if you're telling me that God's this sower and, and he's full of hope and generosity and love and that he sees the potential in me, what, what do I need to do? Well, nothing, I suppose, because that's just who God is. But no, we do. We certainly do need to do something, and more so than ever, because we need to learn to trust him. We need to learn to believe in him because each of us have our own issues with trust and knowing who God is and getting to know him better. Spend that time. It's crucial because if we know who he is, it will transform and change who we are and then what we are able to produce in our lives. And it's all because of him. And Jesus knew this. Jesus knew that everything had to point to the glory of the Father in heaven. So in telling this, he was pointing us to who he was who he was then to us, and if we can grasp a hold of that, it will completely change and transform who we are, whether we find ourselves as rocky soil or there's thorns all around us or we're on the path and the birds are coming. I have real issues with birds eating my seeds at home. They're very naughty. I'm like, where do I sow them this year so the pigeon doesn't eat them? I know, I will send out the dog. Kill the pigeon, Pepper, kill it. I have no love for the pigeon who ate 
all of my sunflowers last year. But things will come. It's sad, isn't it? Things come and take away what God wants for us. But God is a God of love. And you know, if things have come and stole from your life before, if thorns have grown up and choked you down before, then God says, hold on, I'm sowing again. And here it comes. Hold on, it's coming. I'm generous. I didn't just have what was in that bag. It's like a Mary Poppins bag. My hand's going in. And whoa, there's some more. And here it comes. And God wants to sow again into your life he wants to believe again that there is something that will produce fruit there for you and for those around you never 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 give up develop a deeper level of trust in the God who provides know that he wants to impact all areas of your life So if you do have a path area in your life, if you do have an area where you think it's really just, there's no depth there to me, then God wants to help you to grow and develop. And he wants to sow there, believing that something will grow and change. I remember planting seeds with the girls when they were little. And um, both of them were exactly the same. You, you make the little holes for the seeds or the little path along. You say, look, this is what we do. We make a little hole, use the stick. Don't poke mummy in the eye with it. That's it. Poke your sister instead, lovely. And now get the little seeds. Yes, I know you can't do fine motor skills, but have it anyway. And pop it into the hole. And yes, you've got a handful. And oh, you're throwing it everywhere. How lovely. And now we planted some poppy seeds and they all died, which was something to do with you were meant to move them after so long and put them in some deeper soil. We missed that. So they're all dead, but we'll try again soon. But they got it this time. They got the seed. They put it in the right place. Olivia was meticulous. Woo, it needs to go right down there. But when they were little, they were like, I'm not interested in the little hole you've made or the path. I just want to throw them everywhere and hope for the best. And you know... I really believe that God can be like that. That there is no rhyme and reason with it. Sometimes when we get that bit older, we're like, it has to be done a certain way. We have to sow a certain way. We have to put things in place a certain way. But God, sometimes I believe, as the heart and the mind of a child and just wants to go, it's just going to grow everywhere it goes because I'm God and I can And he is God, and he can. And you know, there's something that we need to learn from this. Because when we sow, as Christians, into people's lives, when we sow in our workplaces, when we sow in our families, we're like, right, which one do I think will actually work? Which person do I think will actually come to Alpha? I'll ignore the rest of them and I'll spend time with them because I think I might get somewhere with that one. I think I might get somewhere with this family member. But God wants to say to you, just be generous. Just let yourself go everywhere because actually you never really do know. And it's always the one that you least expect that says, oh, I'll come along to Alpha then. Oh, okay, will you? And they're the least person that you expected to come to Alpha. We need to learn as we sow in our week to week, in our day to day lives, to just be generous, to just sow with hope and believe and not think about, well, I don't think anything's going to grow in them. Oh, I'm not convinced they're going to become a Christian. 
Just be generous. Have hope. Believe. Because just like God did, he's teaching us to do the same. Go back to that childlike faith that he tells us in the Bible is so important. And so with that faith, instead of what you think and what life has thrown at you. So that's the sower. And I think if we can grasp the sower, then everything else in our world will change. Because he changes all things and makes all things new. So the next thing that is the constant is the seeds. And you know, it talks a lot about the quality of the different dirts and whether certain seeds will grow there or not. But the seed, and talking about that, is not about the quality of the dirt. The seed, and when we talk about it, is about the quality of what's within the seed. And it's so easy for us to look at other people and think, oh, they're not a very good quality of dirt, are they? I can see a big path running through them. They're not going to grow much in that area of their life. And whoa, look at the birds flapping over their life. And there's, whoa, there's some great big thorns coming up. They've had it. They're not going to produce any fruit this year. It's so easy for us to judge other people on the quality of their lives and whether we think that they can produce fruit. Go back to the sower. The sower sows with equal hope, with equal generosity, with equal toil. Move away from the things where we judge and presume and think that we know best and think that we see what's going on and become like the sower where we're generous, where we encourage people, where we say, keep going, you're doing really well. Keep going in that area. Keep believing, I'm praying for you. And you know, it does come to a point sometimes where we need to address what is going on in our lives and whether the soil in our lives is good and will produce good fruit. There is that element to it. And we're going to look at that next week, like I said. But so often, we can be judgmental. We can look at the kind of dirt we think other people are and think that they're not good enough. And really, like I said, it's not about the quality of the dirt. It's about the quality of God. Because everything within that seed is what God has put in there, is the quality of God that he wants to sow into your life and my life, and those people's lives that you are impacting on and affecting during your week. And if you can do that, and so with hope, and so with generosity, and so with equal toil, toil, toil believing, then we could see a, just a fruit of 30, 60, even 100 fold. And God simply wants to sow into our lives. God loves us. God loves us and he just wants more of him to be given to us, more of him to be sown into our lives. And if it's about his quality coming into us, it's about his holiness. It's about his righteousness for us. It's about the fact that he's sovereign over your circumstances. So when them thorns grow up, you say, okay, it's going on, but God, you are Lord over this. It's about his goodness. When the birds come and take away what God's given you and you think, okay, I'm going to believe again that God's going to come. And so again, it's about his kindness that he will come in his generosity and keep sowing and keep sowing and keep sowing, keep believing that fruit will grow in your life. It's about his forgiveness. It's about his patience. And he must run out of it sometimes when he thinks, oh, will you just till the soil of your life? It's looking good underneath that path, but just till it. Just work hard on it. 
those seeds are about the quality of God. And if those seeds can take root somewhere in our lives, then that quality of God can begin to grow within us. That fruit of the Spirit can begin to grow and multiply and bring change to our lives. So what's Jesus trying to say to us through the seed? We understand that it's God wanting to sow into us more of who he is so we can become more like him. But what's Jesus trying to say? He needs us to understand that we grow because of what is already within us. And when we make that decision and we hold up a hand and we say, Jesus, I want to accept you into my life. The old is gone, the new has come. And we become born again. That new life, that seed is placed within us, full of the qualities of God, ready to grow. The choice comes down to whether what we put around it practically is going to help it to grow. So let's look at it. If a seed has been planted in you, and it doesn't just get planted when you get born again, it gets planted when God does something new, when God births a new idea or ministry, when God wants to develop an area of your life where it's been damaged or you've been hurt and God wants to grow something fresh and new there. Practically, let's look what's needed. And I thought the most obvious thing to do was look what a seed needs. And apparently, a seed needs warmth, it needs a good location, and it needs water. You know, that warmth is the Father's love. We all need the Father's love around us. And when a seed is planted within you, get yourself in a place where the Father's love can surround you, where he can keep you warm, and where he can bring something to that seed that will help it grow. That good location it says that we are seated in Christ. If we are seated in Christ, whoa, that seed's in a good location because it's going to grow some. But it can also be broken down to make sure you're in a good church. Make sure you've got good people around you that are going to do that seed good, that are going to encourage it and say, well done seed, keep growing, you're doing really well because apparently talking to plants is good for them. It's the carbon monoxide apparently. It's where we've been going wrong all these years. Um, is that what you breathe out? What do you breathe out? That one anyway, carbon dioxide. It's good for the plants. Monoxide's what comes from gas, isn't it? That's not good for them at all. That's killing the plants of the world. That's where we've been going wrong all these years. <laughs> Let's just move on, shall we? Can we edit that one? So it needs a good location. Just like we do, we need a good location. We need people around us who will do us good. If someone is not good doing you good and saying, what are you going there for again? Why are you helping with that again? Why are you bothering do that again? They aren't helping you to get yourself in a good location. They need your help. Be generous. Sow them some hope. Sow them some love. But don't allow them to affect your seed. The last thing is the water which I think is like the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to refresh and to wash and to flood. And if you think, I don't know what you're talking about, then Alpha is the place for you. You can still sign up. It's week two, but we don't care. They do a whole evening, a whole couple of nights on the Holy Spirit, which is absolutely fantastic. But we need the Holy Spirit, God within us, washing and cleansing and filling us afresh. 
And practically, that's what a seed needs. So when you've got a seed growing within you, whether it's because you're a new Christian or whether it's because God is doing something new in you and he is sown afresh, then you need to look after that seed. And it's about going back to those basics and making sure you look after it to help it to grow. But then a seed doesn't stay a seed forever. It grows into a plant. So practically, what does a plant need? Again, it needs warmth, it needs location, and it needs water. So we need to keep working on those same things. They're not just for the baby Christians. We don't get to a certain point and say, oh, I'm mature now, I don't need any of those things. Keep doing it, keep digging, keep believing, because it helps us to grow. But as well, on top of that, a plant needs light and it needs nutrients. So we need that light too. We need that revelation, that that discernment of what is going on. We need to read a Bible and say, God, open my eyes, help me to see. Let me see things how you see them. Let me see the, the world around me how you see it and operate because of that. And it needs those nutrients. In John 21, when Jesus gave Peter the authority over the early church, he said, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. He was telling Peter that Christians, they need to be fed, just like plants need to be fed. We need those nutrients. We need something that will do us good, that will help us to grow. So can I encourage you, take notes when people are preaching. Go away and mull over them. Listen to some good quality podcasts. Read a good book. Talk to people. Go to your small group and dig deeper because it's in those places that we get fed and it does us good. And I'm going to be a bit naughty because I'm going to leap on to the last thing, which I shouldn't be doing because it's week three and I'm not doing that. But anyway, to bear fruit, this is what a plant needs. It needs those other things, but it also needs this. It needs age, it needs health and environment, and it needs pollination. We have to grow to a place of maturity if we're going to produce fruit. And that's not necessarily being a certain age. It's just growing in maturity in God. We need healthy environments around us. It's those key relationships and that circumstantial response that we looked at at the beginning of the year. How do you respond in circumstances? What are those key relationships that God is bringing your way? And last thing is pollination. In John 14, 19 to 20, Jesus says this to his disciples, a little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live you will live also. At that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. And that's what pollination's all about. It's all about the male bits and the female bits of the plants being in and of each other, and woohoo, they produce fruit. We're not going to do a biology lesson, that's the limit of it, because I'll get embarrassed, and so will you. But Jesus wants to be in you and he wants you to be in him and when you're in him and he's in you chitting you get fruit but that's for week three but I just thought to do it anyway because it's good you know sometimes when that seed is sown let's go back to the seed because unless the seed is sown the plant doesn't come and neither does the fruit so the key thing initially is to look after that seed and when that seed is sown in your life, sometimes it can feel like you go through a season 
of everything falling apart around you, where your life just feels like it's dying around you, where everything is hard work, where coming to church is a chore, where spending time with people who will do you good for they're just doing your head and you don't want nothing to do with them. And we go through a season almost of death where everything falls around, around us just falls apart. And, you know, for those of you who know me more closely, I've not had a good season this last few months. I've had issues with my health, which are now on the mend and doing well. My mum's been quite poorly in the hospital and she's had to have surgery. And it's just felt like it's been one thing after another, after another. Oh, I think I'm just going to go on the floor and die. And as I was looking, doing this preach, I thought, God's doing something new. God's sowing something deep in me and doing something new. And I want to encourage you that when it comes to that point in your life, you've almost got to accept it. Because when that seed is sown, it goes into a dark place like a grave. And it can seem like that place of death is just like, everything's going wrong, what's going on? But sometimes, and not always, and that's why you need people around you who can help you discern, sometimes it is that God has sown something deep within you and he wants to begin to produce something new and something fresh. And the other week, when last week when we went to pick my mum up from the hospital, she was allowed to come home. And I went with my dad to help him. And we put her in the wheelchair to push her out. And it was like, how many bags can you accumulate in the hospital, mum? You've got like a suitcase. You've got these two great big bags. It's like, what have you been collecting everyone else's stuff? So my dad shot off to go and get the car, as all good men do. So off he went down the corridor and walked really slowly. I'm thinking, Dad, just go a bit quicker and then we don't have to wait for you at the other end. And he was just like, I'm just sauntering along. I'm all right. My wife's coming home now. I'm going to have to behave. And um, so I'm like, I can do all things, Dad. I'm here to help. I will have the suitcase on the wheels and both of the canvas bags and I will push the wheelchair. So this is me along the corridor with one of those wheelchairs that is like a Tesco trolley or any other supermarket, may I add. And it did not want to do it, was told. And I'm pulling a suitcase and I'm pushing my mum like this. It's all right, mum. We're going like at the speed of a snail. Never mind. And then from behind me, like a knight in shining armour, came one of those people. No, it wasn't you, Paul. Came one of those people who I don't know what they do because they all wear different colours and none of them make sense to me, even when you read the board that tells you who the different nurses and doctors are and half of them aren't on there, so who are these people? I don't know who he was, but he worked there. He'd come up from behind me, let me help you, I will push the wheelchair. And he was on his lunch, bless him, and he pushed us to the entrance and he said to me, I don't like to see people struggle. I thought I wasn't struggling, I was like, I was doing it. <laughs> And I was like, oh, thank you very much. That's really nice. Sorry, thank you. I'll just pull this. And now we've got him. My dad's still not here because he was walking slow as well. And if we'd have walked that slow, maybe he'd have got there. We wouldn't have to wait in the cold for 10 hours for him. I hope you don't listen to this, Dad. I do love you very much. And you know, I thought to myself after, how nice that this gentleman offered to help. And what a blessing it is when people do. But you know, sometimes, sometimes you need the struggle. If I went and dug up a seed and tried to open it up, it would not help it. It would kill it. The seed needs the struggle. And sometimes in life, not always, and when people come along and help you, 
what a blessing they are to you. But sometimes you need the struggle. Sometimes you need the struggle to help you push through and break through and become a different person and to grow and to mature. I love this quote by Anan Nen, and it says this, and the day came when the risk to remain tight in a bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. Sometimes the pain of growing, the pain of opening your life up and actually being what God's called you to be. Some of you know what I'm talking about. God has called some of you people in here to do great things and you're just thinking, I'm just going to stay really tight in a bud, it's easier. But God is saying, come out from where you are, take the struggle, endure it and bloom into all I'm calling you to be. Sometimes the struggle is necessary. And that's why my third point, which I need to do really quickly, is the impact. The impact of the sower, the impact of the seed is crucial. It's the impact that produces change and stops us being the seed and causes us to be the plant. That stops us being the plant and causes us to produce fruit. Unless there is an impact, unless there is a change, then what is the point? We just remain a seed in the ground. And you know, when there's change, people see something different. People look at you and they think, well, what's going on here? It causes them to question. It causes them to ask, well, you've just been going through all that or you've just been always been in this, this way before. I've never noticed this about you. And yet look at you now. You changed. You transformed. What's going on? And it's when they ask those questions, that's when you get your hand in and you start sewing. Come to Alpha. Come to church. It's God who's changed my life. And you know it's not easy. How we live our lives, our attitude, what comes out of us, it's not easy. And that's why we go back to the seed in the beginning, where the qualities of God that he sows within us, as those begin to grow then those things can begin to come out of us and produce change. So practically, what do we need to do? If God impacts us when he sows and with the seed he sows, then surely we can impact those around us as we sow and with the seeds we sow with. So how do we do that? I believe like this. We be consistent. Be consistent with the quality of who you are, just like God is. So with faith, that childlike faith that just goes, I know you've put a hole there with the stick, mommy, but I'm just going to throw this seed everywhere because that's just more fun and exciting. So with faith and believe. Don't let disappointment hold you back, but allow it to cause you to say, this time, this time I'm believing. This time it's happening. Allow it to cause a resolve within you that says, I will not be overcome. The enemy may come and try and steal and take away, but I will not be overcome. I will sow again. I will believe again. And I will hope again. God sows of himself and the quality of who he is. Be aware of who you are and what you sow into other people's lives. Be aware of the quality of who you are and what you give to others. And I just want to conclude with this, Rich, if you'd like to join me. 
You know, at the beginning, I told the story about the autistic boy I used to work with and, and how everything was Peppa Pig. And then, after about four months, and I'm thinking, I have got it down to a T. We stopped doing Peppa Pig. I was like, oh, oh no. I want to cry. And you know, sometimes, just like the game was changed for me and it was no longer Peppa Pig, God can change the game of what he calls us to. And we need to change how we receive. We need to change how we sow. And fortunately for me, we went into Beauty and the Beast, which is my favorite ever Disney film. And I enjoyed being Mrs. Potts, how rude. And every day I had to say, off to the cupboard with you now, Chip. I never actually became the beast, which was, we were quite happy with that. I was sometimes the singing wardrobe who jumped out of a window. Those were bad days for me. My opera voice came out. Everybody was traumatized. But you know, sometimes God begins to whisper with a different voice, begins to call us in a different way, begins to invite us somewhere new and somewhere fresh. And when he does that, don't keep listening out for that same old, same old. But have an ear to hear where he is calling you. Have an ear to listen where the Spirit of God is blowing you. And that's why it's so crucial when we talked about the Holy Spirit, that he's there with the seed, that he continues through with you as you grow and mature, that you can hear him as God changes the game of where he calls you. As he says, come away with me. Let's go to somewhere different. Let's grow something new within you, something that you've never grown before. I know you've always grown coconuts, but today we're going to grow pineapples. It's like, I've never grown pineapples before. Let's learn together. And God calls us out of places we've been for years sometimes and takes us somewhere new and fresh. And if we have an ear to hear, when God changes the game of how he calls us, when he changes the game of what he's calling us to and how he wants us to live our lives and do church and how he calls us to sow the seeds into other people, let's have an ear to hear and let's act accordingly. I just think it's a great philosophy to have on life. The philosophy of the sower, that no life, no person and soil is left unsown. This week, can I challenge you? Let's consider that as we go out to sow, that there is no life, that there is no person, that there is no soil, no matter what we think it looks like, that we leave unsown. Because God is calling, and he is calling people home. I've got a couple of takeaways for you. Baz can put them on the screen. I'm just going to pray. Father God, we thank you that you are the great sower. We thank you for the quality that you sow into our lives. And God, I pray that we would... We would do just as you do as we sow. That we would have a quality within us that we sow as the seed into other people's lives. Father God, I pray that as we go out into our week, that we would see lives changed. That we would hear your spirit calling to us for where you want us to go and what you want us to grow. In Jesus' name. Amen.